So I think the biggest news out of this episode, Clyde, is that we have a merged tribe name and we don't get any mention of it by any human, which makes me think that production had to make one up after the fact. Do you know off the top of your head what it is? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Can you pronounce it? So I can't pronounce it, but there was a secret scene released by CBS that explains the what? meaning of the tribe name. Yeah, every week CBS releases a secret scene that didn't make the final cut in the episode. So it's an extra tidbit, I think, on Paramount Plus for Survivor fans. Do you want to know the origin of the name? I do. I think this is a good... Um, I thought this was going to be a jokey intro, and I think it's turned into a real one. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, tell me the origin. The person that comes up with it is Kelly. And okay. she did some research before going out on the island and found that the name of this tribe is the same name as a Fijian god that is this giant shark. And I saw Ooh. a Google image of the Fijian god, and it's pretty sick. I don't remember what the name is, and I don't even know the spelling of it. I have it down as Dakoaka. Dakoaka. Oh. In Fijian mythology, Dakoaka is a shark deity and often appears as a fierce sea monster guarding the islands. He was greatly respected because he protected fishermen at, from any danger at sea. Uh, let's just take a look at some images here. Oh. Basically, picture if you've ever seen the second Suicide Squad movie, it's basically the shark guy from that. I don't know if you've seen that movie, Clyde, but he's really funny. I've seen the first Suicide Squad. I thought everybody hated Suicide Squad. This The second one's much better. The second one's pretty great. Okay. Uh, but welcome to Survivor Analytics, the show <laughs> where we talk about how to play Survivor good. Um, That's my new pitch for our tagline here. But today we're talking about, is this episode six? This is episode seven. <laughs> I'm off by one. Today we are talking about episode seven of Survivor 45. We are merged. Clyde, how does it feel? We're not merged. This is actually the take that I debated opening the episode with. Okay. I don't think we're actually merged at this point in the season. What's up? I'm Clyde. I'm the true expert. Jack is the voice of the people. Yada, yada, yada. If you've been but listening to the podcast, you know how the intro goes at this point. If you're joining at episode seven, not episode six, welcome. Yeah, well, welcome mid-flight. Okay, why why are we not merged? In my mind, a merge is defined as all of the players coming together, one contestant is immune, and everybody else is vulnerable. Yeah. That's a merge. We have not had that yet. Last week, we did the weird tribal council where 50% of the tribe is immune and the other 50% is vulnerable. This week- yeah. We split up into two tribes. I think last episode and this one are just glorified tribe swaps. Because what's the difference between what we did this week and the tribe swap that we did earlier in the season? It's all really the same in my book. I mean, in terms of what happens in the outcome of the episode specifically, there is no difference. I think the only differences are you still get to talk to people in the other tribe, right? Yeah, but... There is a season of Survivor, season 24, Survivor 1 World, where the whole theme is that both tribes stay on the same beach, even when they compete Whoa. against each other. So does that mean Survivor 1 World is merged from episode 1 because they're all on the same beach? Like, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I think by that logic, that's a fair argument. Like, what you want to see is there's 12 people in this episode, right? What you want to see is a tribal council where 11 people are on the chopping block. 
or could be. That's an ideal tribal. I feel like next week is the legitimate merge. Unless they do another weird thing. Well, the gimmick next week is the auction. We know that. Overall, I thought this episode was solid. I didn't like it as much as last week. I think there's a good chance that last week's episode is the best on the entire season. But there were still some highlights for me. What did you think at large? I liked it. I loved the challenge. It was one of my favorite challenges of the season. Um, My only complaint is that it was so short. Oh, okay. Uh, I would have liked to see them suffer for longer. I have some fun facts on the challenge for later that might interest you. So let's jump in then. We can start with the merged, pseudo-merged tribe. Everybody goes back to camp. In the previous tribal council, every vote was cast against Caleb. He plays a shot in the dark, saves himself, and sends Jemiah home. And now Caleb is in damage control mode. He does a good job back at camp. He takes it like a champ. In confessional, he admits that he's a lucky player, which I agree with. Yeah. And then we get a scene from Bruce. Now, we've been pretty tough on Bruce throughout this season, but I'm always open to people changing. We saw that with Emily. After just three episodes, she went from the worst social player on the cast to the best. So I thought there was hope for Bruce, and this segment from him... uh, destroyed any of those remaining hopes. He goes up to Katura in front of multiple other players and says, did you vote for Caleb because of the way he was talking at tribal council? He's essentially accusing her of not actually being a part of the majority. Right. What did you think about Bruce's move here? And I feel like Bruce plays a large role in this entire episode. In in an era of Survivor where most conversations happen very respectfully, in small groups, Bruce tends to issue that practice and go for the more blunt, more direct um, method. This is kind of a take for the episode or, or a question for the episode. Is he being portrayed as a villain or just an old man? Because we get a little bit of him being a jerk and we get a little bit of him. He uses a lot of terms that then the young players have to ask what they mean. He plays this old style of the game. Is he a bad guy or just an old guy? I'm not sure. He's a clueless player. He's getting the shambo at it. He's presented as someone that we're not supposed to take seriously as a potential winner. I'm so glad you said he's getting the shambo at it. There is a shot later in this episode where he is out floating in the ocean in that kind of floating bear Winnie the Pooh way where his feet are up in the air and his head's up in the air. <laughs> exactly like Shambo in the lagoon back in uh, uh, Samoa. And it's weird that Bruce is receiving such a negative edit. I feel like most of the time when people are talking about Bruce, whether it's on the island or in confessional, they're always trash talking him. It's rare that we see somebody hop in confessional and say that Bruce is a great social player. I'd love to work with him moving forward. We haven't. The only times that things come across as even sort of positive for Bruce are when people like Jake or Kelly or Caleb say, you know what, he's annoying, but we got to work with him. Yeah, but that's a massive asterisk on it. Nobody is saying what Bruce wants them to be saying in confessional. I think what Bruce wants is for everyone on his tribe to go say, okay, I'll be right back. I got to go shoot a confessional. And then from over the hill, right where they're shooting, you just hear somebody go, I love Uncle Bruce. He's taught me so much about how to play the game. Everything he does is right, and it's a good thing that I'm just going to go with him to the end. 
I do have a take on Bruce as well. Please. I think Bruce's social game is even worse than what's presented on screen. Imagine your Survivor production. You have not had a returning player in the entire new era. The last time there were returning players on Survivor was season 40, Winners at War, which came out in the winter of 2020, right before the pandemic. Yeah. So it's been a while since you've had a returning player. And then you get Bruce on. So he's kind of the golden child of the season. Production wants to justify their selection here. And he's kind of blowing this opportunity, not playing a great game. I bet production is making him look a little bit better. And in reality, his social game was even worse, but they didn't want to show all of that on screen. That would explain why Katura, who seems to be a pretty level-headed player, except for at the end of this episode. Um, <laughs> so maybe not a level-headed player. But but who is clearly a brilliant woman who, who does incredible stuff off the island, right? We have seen how much she despises him, right? The time lapse of her just complaining about Bruce. Your first instinct is, well, he's a, a little cheesy and he talks a lot, but he's not that bad. So I think that would explain a lot of her frustration. I mean, we get a quote later on from Kelly because Bruce really does think Kelly is his number one. Uh, he says it yeah. in confessional. Since when? Must have happened off camera. But Kelly calls Bruce an anchor she's having to drag around. Yeah. And she's she likes having him around because he's an easy shield. She says that to Kendra later on. Uh, but she doesn't like working with him. She has to work with him because they got sucked together by luck of the draw. It's also odd that she describes him as a shield. Like, typically when I think of a shield in Survivor, it's someone that has the potential to win the game at the end. So you want to keep them around as an easy vote later on. Yeah. Bruce yeah. is more of a shield in the sense that nobody really likes him and everyone is willing to vote him out just so they don't have to hear him talk anymore. And this is something that you brought up uh, in our, our group text, our Survivor group text with um, friends of the show, Maddie the Meme and Alexis and others. You brought up that you want to sit next to Bruce at the end. Oh, yes. Yeah. Nobody likes it. We can talk about this later. But the question I had was, is Bruce's story, his survivor story of 14 hours and 26 days, is that, a, is that a winning argument and not the way he's playing? Yeah, I doubt it. We talked about it last week, I think, but there's not a single winning final tribal council combination for Bruce right now. Yeah. So calling him a, a, a shield feels more and more wrong the more we talk about it. Yeah, and I yeah. bet even if this season was a final two instead of a final three, Bruce does not have a winning final tribal council combination. Is there anyone on the island that you see him beating? Maybe Julie? I was going to say Julie, maybe, just because she's done nothing. But people like Julie, at least. <laughs> and Bruce has at least found an idol, right? I guess, yeah. That's a lot of Bruce talk. We'll probably hit on him more later. Uh, we can do a quick update with Austin and Kelly's amulet. Um, with the J. Maya elimination last week, that amulet has been upgraded to a vote steal. Based on the edit, I'm under the impression that Kelly will never have the opportunity to actually use this item. Like, Austin is constantly the one hopping in confessional, talking about how he has this bag of advantages that he plans to use later on in the game. And he's got to get his revenge for the sandwich. Yeah. Oh, of course. How could I forget? It's the sandwich revenge arc where, yeah, Kelly just does not bring it up. So it'll be interesting if 
Austin is able to vote out Kelly at some point. He'll have two idols in his pocket, which means he needs to survive just until final seven. No, no, final six. Yeah, final six idol, final five idol, and then final four fire making. Yeah. So it's a very realistic path to the end. I doubt that Austin will actually achieve that and go on to win the whole thing, but it's something to keep track of. That would be pretty sweet, though. One more thing before we move on to the challenge. Um, I do want to throw out a quote, not to go back completely to the Bruce stuff, but I didn't get to use this quote, and I loved it from Caleb. When he tries to make peace with Bruce and and continue to work with him, uh, Bruce just talks at him, just vomits words, and it's so many analogies, and it makes no sense. And he's, he's just telling Caleb how to do everything, and none of it makes any sense. And Caleb says in confessional, I don't know how I made it 28 years without Bruce telling me what to do. I didn't know Caleb was 28. I thought he was younger than that. And well, he's Canadian. They, they all look young. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> it's the it's the free health care. That speech uh, Bruce gives to Caleb made no sense to me at all. He made a long-winded uh, football analogy. Yeah. And I'm someone that really enjoys football. I know you're not the biggest football fan on the podcast, but... You're right. I'm not the biggest football fan of the podcast. You're here for all of the baseball analogies, like the one Drew made last week that you loved. But I'll watch football every Sunday. I bought NFL Red Zone this year. Wow. I think I know my way around the field pretty well. And even I couldn't understand the message that Bruce was trying to send here. And Caleb is a person that would probably understand that message as well. He follows sports. He talks about Kawhi Leonard. Granted, it's a different sport, but... He's probably more likely to know things about football than other players. Well, he's Canadian. They don't have football. <laughs> That's a really funny comment that Bruce attempted using a football analogy with the guy who's from a country that doesn't play football at all. Yeah. Like, it needs to be hockey or basketball, I think. Or even baseball, because all of those have teams. But anything else before the challenge? Uh, last thing I'll mention is that Bruce's conversation with Caleb goes absolutely nowhere. It seems like they're still at odds after that yeah. talk. So yeah. it filled up the episode and did absolutely nothing. I think it continued to build the Bruce is full of nonsense storyline. Oh, okay. I think yeah. that's the only purpose that sir. The production team was in their meeting and said, we have 10 minutes to kill. What are we going to do? And they're like, oh, let's just pile on Bruce a little bit more. Somebody pulled out a duffel bag of hard drives full of Bruce footage and said, take your pick. We have terabytes of this stuff. We can't give it away. Yeah, I want the Survivor 45 Bruce edit, the Bruce cut. Challenge? Yeah, let's head to the challenge. Okay, Uh, so first off, the challenge itself, it's our first individual immunity challenge, but there's a twist. Uh, We are second twist in as many weeks uh, of sorts. There are going to be two individual immunity idols given out. And there's two of them because the individual immunity is actually going to be a competition on two levels, two groups of six, red and blue. The winner of each color wins individual immunity. Each group will go to their own tribal council and each group of six will vote out one of the other five. Whichever winner or whichever tribe or or not tribe, whichever color outlasts the other color wins reward and they get to go, the winning 
half get to go to Triva second, the person they vote out will be the mayor of Ponderosa. The losing six will eliminate the last um, loser. The last pre-juror. The last pre-juror, thank you. And so essentially you are playing for both reward as a as a sub-tribe and whoever you vote out gets to have a say in the game going forward. I liked that. I want to throw out, there needs to be a name for the contestant that barely misses Ponderosa. Like we have the mayor of Ponderosa Ooh. for the first person that enters. I want the exile of Ponderosa, the contestant that falls just one round short of making the jury. The uh, uh, Because Ponderosa is a very Western thing. I'm trying to think of a cowboy image. The last tumbleweed. Oh, the final tumbleweed. Okay. On top of all of the elements of this twist, there's one that you missed, and that's the food reward. They, the winning group gets to go to the Survivor Do Sanctuary. tacos. Where good oh. things happen. Come on, you got to say the tagline. Well, I, I thought you were talking about the actual food. Oh, I don't care about the food. All that matters is that sweet, sweet sanctuary. I don't think we've seen it enough in the past couple seasons. Well, I, I think you're right. And and they even cut away from Jeff before he got to say where good things happen, but he did still say it. Um, <laughs> but it, it the camera had moved on to reactions. He did also feel the need to say every time he talked about the reward. He couldn't just say, you get tacos. He had to say, do-it-yourself tacos. I don't know why. That's the new era. In the new era of Survivor, you need to earn everything for yourself. You got to earn your way into the merge, the mergatory, and you need to earn your own tacos and make it on your own. Unless you're earning it by getting to go to Party Rock Island or by finding an advantage or by... Doing one of it. Yeah. The many other things. I was kind of hoping we'd get a do-it-yourself tacos sponsored by Chipotle or something like that. Because oh. I, I miss sponsored content on Survivor. I'll tell you. The, but the two groups, red and blue. On red, we have Katura, Jake, D, Austin, Julie, and Caleb. On blue, we have Drew, Kelly, Sifu, Kendra, Emily, and Bruce. Which of these groups going in did you think had the edge i thought they were pretty even i thought they were pretty even as well especially when you consider the challenge itself i didn't even say what the challenge is yeah i have the challenge name oh yes because it's a historic challenge uh please so this challenge is called get a grip it has appeared in 10 out of 45 seasons so get Why ready we're gonna all. see this once every four seasons I don't think we've seen it yet, though. This is the first no. appearance on the podcast. The last time it was ran on Survivor was season 40, Survivor Winners at War. And I went back and looked at the stats of this challenge. The majority of the time, it runs over 40 minutes. And I think awesome. they changed it. Basically, in this challenge, there's these giant poles with little footstools in them. You have to jam your feet in there to balance, and the yeah. last person standing wins. I think that they made those footstools a little bit more shallow yeah, to yeah, yeah. expedite the challenge. They don't want to be there the whole day. We're only running a 26-day season. We got to bang out these challenges left and right. Yeah, we, we needed more time to film Bruce talking to people and mansplaining. Like, we can't spend it off on the challenges. I'll say this. I love an endurance challenge. Uh, what's the one on 44 where they're underwater with the... The last tide? gasp. 
the la- I loved that. Like, I love these. These are probably my favorite category uh, besides the pick ingredients from a roulette table and Jeff blends it into a horrible smoothie. Would you say that this challenge is the best one that they've ran so far on the season? Because I think so. I think I had the most fun watching it. I love an endurance challenge because it more than any other challenge, and part of this is the difference between individual and team challenges, is you can really see who is here to play, right? In that sense. Who is here what? to dig deep? <laughs> well, listen, man, when you see people like Emily drop instantly, you're like, okay, Emily's here to be a social player, which I don't know how somebody convinced her to go for this show if she wasn't going to try in the physical part. And she's just going for social because it seems like she learned that on the island. But you've got social players, Emily, Julie, the first two out. You've got the meat boys who couldn't do this because it's a it's a stamina and uh, dexterity thing. Jake, Sifu, Caleb all drop in the middle. And then you've got the bad ends. You've got the Katuros, the Kellys, the Ds, who are basically... I mean, I don't think D would have dropped for another 20 minutes. It went it went about 18 minutes, I think. Jeff says it's like the last time check is at 17. You can see this determination and fire, and those are the kind of players that I love to watch. And that's totally a bias because it's not the tactical, it's not the diplomatic part of Survivor, but I, I eat it up. I yeah. would watch this show if it was just that. Ugh, you want the challenge beast to win. I don't think we've seen a single challenge beast win in the three seasons. I mean, I'm not saying a challenge beast has to win, but I, I just want that part to be more pre. Like, I love it when that part is present and when people give it their all. Any other highlights for you from this challenge? I mean, Kelly on blue was the last to drop for blue. Uh, winning her first individual immunity or the first individual immunity technically. and uh, But she does drop before D. D wins immunity for red and thus wins reward for the red group. Uh, so shout out to the toes. Yeah. Let's talk about the toes, Clyde. I called this. I said last week, they're not going to include those scenes for no reason. Dee says in confessional after this challenge that her big-ass toes are what led her to victory. And don't get me wrong, I'm happy that I predicted this, but I'm calling BS. She didn't use her toes that entire time. If you saw the way that she was wrapped around the pole, yeah, she had her legs wrapped around and was just holding it super tightly. Her ankles were hooked together. Yeah, she didn't wedge her toes in. That's a good point. She gave the credit to the toes, but I think it should go to D's determination and grit instead. Uh, I also noticed there were a lot of feet shots in this challenge. It was another one of those uh, Dan Schneider moments on Survivor. You can feel the Nickelodeon Paramount Plus corporate synergy really uh, thriving here. I was happy for D as well as Kelly. I like both of them a lot as players. Uh, I was upset for Survivor Fantasy because Abby has both of them on her fantasy team. So she cashed out with points in that round. And I'm chilling in in, uh, last place right now, which has not been great. It is pretty awesome for me that I am in second to last when uh, I have only Bruce left. I'll I'll catch you eventually. I'll get points replacement once my people are voted out. One take I have on D 
just looking ahead, I'm keeping with Jake as my winner pick, but I'm letting you know now, if and when Jake goes home, I'm probably going to pivot to D. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like I'm getting better at seeing a winner's edit on screen. And at this point, I think there's only like two or three people that really have the winner's edit in place. Either that or there's going to be a surprise win, which I'm all in favor for. Is that a winner's edit or is that a finals edit, final three edit? I think there's a difference a lot of the time. I think when someone is a finalist that loses in the end, there is typically some flaw that is highlighted in their game. Like how Carolyn's nuts or Heidi is not doing anything? Like how Heidi was left out of multiple votes and she says in confessional that I know I've been on the outs a lot. Like she's foreshadowing the flaw that causes her to lose in the end. Where Jam Jam has no flaws. Jam Jam has flaws, but you could also tell with him there was a confessional way earlier in the season where he said that like every person that voted against me, I eliminated them. And I realized then that like, oh, this is his winning argument. Yeah. I I think D's getting set up as a potential winner. I think the only potential winners in my book right now are D, Drew, and Emily. We'll hit on that more later. So where do you want to go next? You want to go to the losers group or the survivor sanctuary where good things happen? Uh, Let's go to, oh gosh, see, I'm looking at my notes and I'm just seeing the three animal shots of this episode and I'm so excited to get to them. So, because one of them I think might be worth me making a TikTok about. Oh yeah. I'm still waiting on that second animal shot TikTok. You said it would be a weekly series. And when you said weekly, I didn't know that meant one week. Uh, Let's go to the losers first, because I want to highlight everything Drew does in this section. Is bad, in my what? opinion. I don't okay. think so. So let me just give you a little breakdown of three things that happen back-to-back with Drew. He goes to Bruce and says, I'll do whatever you want to do. In and of itself, is not that bad. I wrote down um, Drew and Bruce, the villain alliance, because they are the villains in my book. Well, that's how you appeal to Bruce. How else can you possibly work with that guy? The only way you can build a repertoire with him is by saying, I'll follow your lead. Take me where you want, Bruce. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that's the showman's, by the way, because I'm still keeping my out, eye out for options there. You might have noticed that Austin told Dee that he loves her when she won the challenge today. Oh, I did not notice that, but that is big. Next up, Drew still thinks that Sifu has an idol. And I still don't understand where that's coming from. Sifu potentially has an idol, so Drew is convinced his name is the easiest to write down because he is a former Reba who doesn't have an idol and if he thinks that everybody thinks Sifu has an idol. And why do you think that's bad to pin the vote on Sifu? Well, well uh, it's not bad to go after Sifu. The whole misread on this idol. There's never been an indication that Sifu has an idol and these Reba members still think this. And then finally, Drew didn't bring his bag. So he does not have his shot in the dark. No, it's not the shot in the dark. It's the safety without power. I wrote down, that is not Ivy League level preparation. Wow. (laughs) Not a great look, but he has nothing to worry about because the bigger names are Roos or Sifu. Kendra leads the charge on Roos saying, hey, this is the time. Let's just get rid of Kelly wants to hold on to, keep him as a shield, which I talked about earlier. How how do you feel about this... um, this dynamic. Is it a good move for Kendra to cut one of her own 
even if that one is Bruce. I think it's too early still. Bruce questions his relationship with Kendra, but I don't think Bruce has the agency in the game right now to actually pull the numbers against Kendra down the line. Yeah. And when you look at the numbers at this stage of the game, you had two original Lulu, you had five original Bello, and five original Reba. So it's a 5-5-2 split at Final 12. And from Kendra's perspective, you don't know what's going to go on at that other camp. I think Reba is in the majority in that group, right? It's a it's split. So from Kendra's perspective, there's a real chance that a Bellow member goes home at the other tribal council. Best case scenario, if those two groups solidify, you have a rock draw, which is a complete game of chance. So if I'm in Kendra's shoes here, I just need to maintain the Bellow members because there's a whole other dynamic at play that I have no control over. And worst case scenario is that you get rid of Bruce, they vote out a Bellow member, and then you're you've lost two of your allies in just one day. And it goes to a 5-3-2 where Bello is only one ahead of Lulu and Reba has a clear shot to final five. Yeah, so I don't think it'd be a great move for her. I understand that there's reservations with Bruce just because they don't have a strong working relationship, but I get the vibe that Kendra and Kelly are pretty close. They are the original Virgo girlies. Yeah. And if she's tight with Kelly and Kelly has you know, her strings over Bruce and he's the little puppet for her, then you can work with him down the line. You just need to have Kelly there as the mediator between them. Yeah. So I like the decision by the three of them to target one of the Reba members. And that's where we get to Drew's positioning that you hit on earlier. I agree with you that it's the wrong read uh, for Drew to say that Sifu has an idol, but I think he correctly read the room. He was in a spot where he was clearly in the minority Best case scenario, he can cause a 3-3 split. And when you're in that position, I'm okay with cutting your losses, especially when the person you're getting rid of is Sifu, who Drew is not really aligned with right. at this stage of the game. Yeah, Sifu is such a... Everybody loves to call Sifu a wild card, right? Which I think just means he's kind of wacky and doesn't talk to anybody strategically. I genuinely think we could go back through this entire season so far... And I don't think we would find a single clip of Sifu talking strategically outside of him asking who voted for him. Yeah, that was really his big strategic move of the season. Even that was just him reacting to events and then totally falling for deception. Just because Bruce is getting such a brutal edit and I'm getting kind of tired of him, I was almost hoping they'd really made the play. Uh... Oh, I never bought into it. Sifu has been so invisible this in- this entire season. This felt like Sifu's time to go home. But this felt like cleaning out the weeds, right? Sifu's just another member of the cast who didn't have a big impact on the game. And it's time for him to go. We, do you want to talk about the Tribal Council with this group? And then we can yeah, focus yeah, on the other group in its entirety. Knock it out. Uh, Drew once more explains the entire thing. Like, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff says, how are you guys feeling? And Drew goes, oh, well, you know, Jeff, it's really challenging when we're split into two groups of six and you have to figure out, well, who do I work with in this group of six? What's going on in the other group? Like, it's so annoying. Man. <laughs> it drives me nuts when TV assumes the viewers aren't paying attention. Some people aren't. Jack, I'm telling you, I bet if you went to a casual Survivor fan, they wouldn't remember who was on which tribe originally. From this group of six. Like, 
And that's fine. But Drew isn't summing up the current breakdown of lines. He's just describing the general situation that's set up by the whole episode. So if you've watched this episode, Drew is recapping oh. this episode. Well, he's the narrator. That's his job. I, it drives he's reading me nuts. the cue cards behind the camera. But one thing that does come up in this tribal that I wanted to ask you about is you complained justifiably last week about the shot in the dark downgrading Caleb in your season rankings because it's randomness, it's chance, right? How do you feel about the rock draws having such a big impact on the last two votes? I don't mean the rock draw at a tie. I mean the drawing rocks for the teams at, at the challenges. Oh, you mean the randomness of the swap tribes. That's something that definitely plays into my rankings. Back in season 44, do you remember Matt Blankenship? Yes, Franny. Matt, who is dating Franny, yeah. Yes. Matt had a relatively higher spot on my rankings because he was swap screwed. He was put into a terrible tribe swap and got voted right. out because of it. So I'm not going to fault him for not completely flipping the dynamic of an entire yep. tribe. And I feel the same way about, spoiler, Sifu here, who gets voted out in a position where his you know, fate was really in the hands of three other contestants. You can fault him a little bit for not pinning the target on uh, Drew or Emily and instead trying to roll with this Bruce plan, but I don't think his elimination tanks my opinion of him as a player. My main yeah. concern with Sifu is the fact that he was perpetually on the outs the entire season. I question his ability to navigate into a majority alliance. Right. Okay, fair enough. I, I wanted to get your take on that. The only other big thing in this, it ends up being 5-1, easy vote, right? Yeah. Goodbye, Sifu. The last contestant on this cast to not get an epitaph, if I'm correct. Actually, both of them will not be receiving an epitaph. You're not giving one to the mayor of Ponderosa? I said it earlier. This is not the merge in my book. This is a pseudo-merge. We have a jury member that's not getting an epitaph. No. Just because you're on the jury doesn't mean you deserve one of my precious epitaphs. That's reserved for only the people that place between, what would that be, 10th and 4th. Okay, okay. Well, let me ask you this. Spoiler alert for the end of the episode, Caleb's going home. Caleb paints his name on the banner for the Merge Tribe. Oh, good for him. He's on paper in the Merge Tribe, and you're not giving him... No, it doesn't count in my book. Just because you're on the same beach does not make it a genuine Merge. That's... Okay, okay. Last thing I want to throw out from Sifu in this Tribal Council before he goes home. Yeah. He says, I know I'm a big threat. There's value in keeping me around as a shield. And is Sifu a big threat? Like... Do people see him as this major contender to win the game? I don't. He never won an individual immunity. Granted, he only had one opportunity. He did that slide down the net that Jeff really liked. Jeff loved his uh, ass beating against the net during that challenge. Maybe that's what made him a big threat. I thought Sifu was going to play a shot in the dark, the way he was talking before the vote. He might as well, right? Like, I'm. It's kind of a shame he didn't. It sounded like a final plea in his speech before the vote. Uh, and if that shot in the dark hit and Sifu saves himself, I would have been furious. I would have raised an <laughs> eyebrow and said that maybe production is interfering with this in some way. Wow. Yeah, people were saying this on our TikTok in the comments section after last week. There's a chance production could rig the shot in the dark. I don't think they do, and I hope they do not. But that's something where they easily could rig it if they wanted to. Oh, yeah. Jeff goes, thank you. Puts it behind the vase. Grabs whichever one he needs to. Hmm. Well, it's just a random sheet of paper, yeah. If there was an actual die that you roll 
where top one tells you if you're safe or not, then that's a genuine thing that they can film on camera and it's entirely fair. But if it's just a random scroll, I kind of get it. <laughs> so I, I have one final question for you on this tribal and then we can go to the winners. Bruce says before tribal, he's feeling some heat and says to Kelly, if I feel weird at all, I'm playing my idol. Do you think, I'm asking for a prediction here, will Bruce play his idol correctly? No. Are you serious? <laughs> no way that idol gets played correctly. I think it is more likely that Bruce gets voted out with the idol in his pocket than him playing it correctly. Yeah. Okay. I think the ranking of most likely outcomes is number one, Bruce gets voted out with it in his pocket. Number two, he plays it incorrectly and it gets flushed in a tribal council. And then three is him actually identifying the target. Uh, there's nothing in Bruce's edit that seems to hint that he's good at correctly identifying a target in the game. Like, right. yes, he was correct that people were gunning for him at one point, but they never actually had the numbers. So, yeah, I don't think that thing will ever get played. And if it does, I I'm not too worried about it. I would not build my strategy around Bruce's idol. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, do you think Sifu's coming back? No. This is no. the end? Sifu tried really hard to make himself a character, and all he succeeded in was confusing the audience because he tried so hard to be a character that he forgot to play the game. I don't know. What do you think? How would you feel if he came back? I'd be kind of disappointed if he came back. On average, a Survivor season produces, I think, around three returnees, so... On this cast, I think you have one lock already in Emily coming back at some point down the line. And we'll see from there what the other ones are. The average season turns out three returning players. About three, yeah. That's why. It varies. You have some seasons like season two, Survivor, the Australian Outback, where eight out of the 16 contestants come back, like half of the cast. That's crazy. Um, and then you have other ones like season five, Survivor Thailand, where only one player comes back. So... It's pretty hit or miss. Yeah. To transition here, the animal shot that I want to highlight first, I'm going to highlight, I've got two animal shots. I'm going to do them both right now. Okay. Let's knock them out. The first one is a two-parter though. So it is kind of three. Okay. Uh, we get two bats cuddled up, hanging underneath a tree, hanging upside down as uh, Jake and Katara are discussing some strategy here at the winner's camp. But then when it switches from the winners to the losers, we get a shot of two bats fighting as Julie and Kendra are discussing who to send home. A little parallelism there. And then the other one, which will take us into Sanctuary where good things happen, we get an extensive series of shots of dolphins frolicking in the waves as the uh, winners are very excited to go to Sanctuary. So it really sets the tone magically. Of, what? Look, <laughs> dolphins are frolicking in the waves and playing and stuff. Oh, okay. That that one's a bit of a stretch. That's a lower tier no, animal not. shot in no, my book. No, it's not. Come I'd on. I'd give that one a D. I don't think you've ever given one above a C plus though. So no, I'm there's okay been with that. some solid ones. I can't remember any of them. <laughs> uh, maybe comparing Shambo to a spider back in the day. I was convinced. For those of you who haven't listened to our Samoa season, I was convinced that Shambo was secretly manipulating everyone behind the scenes. Yeah, go give the Samoa podcast a listen. The audio quality is not the best, I think. No, we, we had not invested in good mics at that stage. 
we'll have to go back and re-record those verbatim at some point. Yeah, yeah. I'll type up the script so we can. <laughs> uh, but so at Sanctuary, where good things happen, pretty much comes down to uh, Caleb or Julie. And it's pretty straightforward. I mean, there's there's a few contentious things. Austin wants to keep Caleb around. D wants him gone. But D's calling the shots, right? Yeah, D's in the power seat. And um, Austin, I points that out. Austin says, "Hey, your target is getting big. If you're D in that situation, what do you do?" I think voting out Caleb here isn't a game-breaking move for D by any means. Like Caleb is someone that everyone has agreed on as a major threat in the game. Right. So voting out Caleb won't upset anybody other than maybe Emily. But at this stage, Emily is so low in numbers. I don't think you're too worried about burning that bridge with her. right? So I agree with what D said, where they can vote out Caleb, reduce a potential bellow number, and not rock the boat at this stage of the game. I think you rock the boat if you vote out Jake or Katura here. Right. The dynamic that this comes down to is because it is a three original Reba, two original Bello, and Caleb, who, as far as Jake is concerned, counts as a bellow, right? We're looking at a 3-3 split and uh, going to potentially rocks. And Jake's strategy is we force the tie and we essentially bully Austin into taking our side, right? It's a crazy plan. Is it? Why is it crazy? In the event that they ran this, right, they do the 3-3 split. D is immune because she won individual immunity. Right. On the rock draw, the players who have the votes cast against them do not draw rocks. So Julie would not draw a rock, and Caleb would not draw a rock. So it's one to three. So it's only three people drawing. You would have Jake, Katura, and Austin drawing. So Jake's philosophy is Austin's a one out of three shot of going home. We can pressure him into flipping and voting out Julie here. The difficult part with that philosophy is that Austin has a two-thirds shot of being safe. Like, yeah. his alliance is in the advantageous position there in that I rock I had draw. not put that together that um, I had not remembered it, that D would be safe from the rock draw. Yeah. All of a sudden, my perspective on this has shifted dramatically. So it's a really aggressive move. I'm surprised that Jake was willing to risk his game like that at this stage of the game. At final, what, 11? You're willing yeah. to potentially go home for Caleb, who you've only known for not even half the game at this point. Right. So the idea itself was pretty crazy, but then they have this other idea to approach Katura, who was left out of the idol search right. earlier in the season. Bruce found the idol. Jake helped him locate it when Jake pretended to drop his uh, rings around the camp. Jake is concerned that Austin will leak that information to Katura before them. And if Austin right. does it, Katura will no longer trust them. So right. Jake wants to beat Austin to the punch. This is a, a bit too aggressive of a move for me. It's weird because Jake and Caleb do not approach Katura together with this information. They do it separately. Like, yeah, Caleb tells her first and she seems receptive to the idea. And Jake does it after and she seems more pissed at Jake. So I think there's a chance that Caleb intentionally left parts of the story out to pull Katura in, and Jake just went in with 100% truth. Well, and I think part of it, 
it might be that, right? It might be some selective omission, but it might also be that Jake has been with Katura the whole time on the island, right? Caleb's somebody new. Jake's been with her for a long time, and she thought she could trust him. I guess, but I think Katura has scenes of her talking about her strong relationship with Caleb. I was under the impression yeah. that she was closer with Caleb than she was with Jake, because for the longest time in the game, until this episode, Jake and Bruce were the dynamic duo of Bello. Yeah. Apparently, Kelly is Bruce's number one, but I can understand why Katura wouldn't be that close with Jake if he was associated with her nemesis. My biggest problem with, I mean, the whole split thing is weird, and they just kind of go, yeah, sorry, we didn't tell you. I would have portrayed it as, look, Bruce didn't want us to tell you, and we're trying to keep him happy. Put the blame on Bruce, because that's kind of what the situation is. And that would have helped them hurt Bruce, and I think drawn in Katura more, because she hates Bruce. Yeah, and it's easy to make that claim when Bruce was such an aggressive player in the previous round. Yeah. You could say, like, Bruce was calling all the shots at the Caleb vote. I was too scared to tell you about his idol because I knew he would be willing to flip the vote on me. Like, he was yeah. willing to flip the vote on Caleb for just talking to the Reba members. I mean, so coming into this recording, I was thinking of this as a botched attempt at forcing a tie because of the way they approached Katura, where I was shocked at the end of watching the episode that Katura turned on Bello, right? That she didn't stick with her, her fellow tribe members. But now realizing that it was a botched attempt to convince Katura to go along with a plan that best case, or worst case, I mean, ends in a two-thirds likely she or Jake is going home. I came into this episode upset with Katura, and now I'm leaving it. And I, I said something at the start of the recording about her judgment. She's right. Jake is wrong. I have completely, I've taken a 180. I think they're both wrong, to be honest. I think Jake handles this situation poorly with an overly aggressive move. And from Katura's perspective, I don't understand why she would flip to Reba to vote out a contestant that she's close with in Caleb. What would you do as her then? So if I'm Katura and I've decided like the trust is broken with the Bella members, I'm going to flip over to Reba. My strategy would be approach them and say, I'll work with you guys, but I want to pick the target. I want to vote out Bruce's yeah. right-hand man and Jake and preserve Caleb. Otherwise, if you're not going to roll with that, I'm going to stick with the Bellow members and we'll roll with the tie and just see what happens. Like, you can play that card and kind of force their hand in that situation. Is there anything else you want to talk about before the vote? Because I think I'll have more to say about the actual outcome here. Yeah, yeah. So, like you mentioned, uh, Katura ends up flipping and she contributes to the Reba cause in voting out Caleb. It goes 4-2, Caleb, Julie. Yeah, the only two votes on Julie are from Jake and Caleb himself. So yeah. now after this vote, Katura is isolated from the Bellow members. She'll potentially still have connections with Kendra and Kelly, but that's going to be a nightmare for Kelly now, trying to mediate the relationship with Katura as well as her quote-unquote number one ally in Bruce. So Katura's isolated herself from a lot of Bellow people, and she's on the bottom of the Reba alliance. Like, I don't think her long-term plan is to continue to work with the Reba players. Like, do you think that's what she's thinking right now? I don't think she worked with the Reba players. I think she voted with them because uh, she knew where they were voting. 
right? Uh, we don't see her have a conversation. I don't think this was Katara making an alliance. This was Katara making a vote. And now she's going to have to try to establish an alliance. But with who? With Reba? Or with... I like, if she wants to work with Reba, she, I don't think she has laid any groundwork with this vote. Yeah. I think by voting out Caleb here, Katara only hurts her long-term chances of winning. She's no longer going to have Caleb there as somebody that she can rely on. And it seemed like Caleb was genuinely interested in working with Katura for the long run. I, I mean, I had a moment earlier in this episode watching the two of them interact where, I mean, I've said this earlier in this episode already, are they the showmans? I had a moment where I was like, mm -hmm. you're always on showman's watch. Here I am trying to run the numbers on the vote and who's immune at the rock draw. And you're like, who has a crush on who at the lunch table? Yeah, I mean, I've been watching a lot of Big Mouth lately, so maybe that's why, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Katura was almost headed towards an Emily path where Caleb was her path to social rehabilitation, right? And now she's lost that opportunity. I don't know what she's going to do next. Looking ahead in the season, we're at a point now where what's the split in this tribe? It's four Reba, five Bello, one Lulu. To give you 10. Yeah. Even though Bello yeah. has the majority technically, I think that group of five is going to implode. Yeah, because you've got Kendra wanting to get Bruce, Katara wanting to get Bruce. I mean, so I think that's potentially a bond that remains. Kendra and Kelly are still on good terms. Kelly would be ready to see Bruce go. Jake, I think, is in trouble because I don't think Jake's as tight with any of the others except Bruce. And I don't think he's even crazy about Bruce. He just happens to get and along. And he just voted him. against Julie. So I bet the other Reba members would be more than willing to link up with anybody to vote Jake out. So I think it's very likely that we see the Reba contestants plus Emily run the rest of the game as these fellow members cannibalize each other. Especially because Emily, thanks to Drew and Austin's work, is pretty much a Reba, right? I don't see Emily ever switching. Bruce and her have too much beef. She's got good vibes with Austin and Drew. Yeah, her only connection to Lulu at this point is that I doubt she will win an individual challenge for the rest of the season. That will be her one honorary <laughs> Lulu memory. Unless there's some sort of puzzle that involves an Excel spreadsheet. Oh, yeah, then Emily would clean up. But until that day... Emily has the energy of getting excited about a new Excel feature. I can see that. So we've talked a lot about the long-term prospect, but we didn't talk about Caleb much. <laughs> How did you feel saying goodbye to Caleb at this point in the season? I mean, I really liked Caleb. I, I really did. Um, he was a good player who I think he sold himself too much. I, I think that's going to be my take on Caleb is he was so good at being so connected that and, and so openly outwardly, forwardly friendly. The target on his back just got too big. I think if he had played a little bit smaller, just in terms of maybe don't make a great connection with every single person. Maybe don't talk quite as loud in the biggest assembly of people. Do you think Caleb would have stayed this week if it was a normal tribal council vote? If it was 12 people attending, one person immune? Oh, 
I think there's a chance Caleb stays in that scenario. I think Caleb stays in that scenario. Because I think if Caleb and Emily are in the same group, all of a sudden you have Bello trying to stay together. You have Jake and Kelly trying to work to keep Bello together. You have Jake and Kelly working with Caleb. You have Caleb trying to pull in Emily. I think he goes from potentially being on the bottom to being in the power position if the format of the season was a little bit different. That's a great point, yeah. I'm sad to see Caleb go. I think he was one of the best characters on the season. I would not be surprised if Caleb comes back as a uh, returnee down the line. But if he does not return, and this might be a little bit harsh, Caleb will be the answer to a trivia question, and that will be his legacy. People will ask who negated the most votes ever at a tribal council, and everyone will guess this one contestant that we will meet later on. There's a popular figure that negated a lot of votes. Everyone will guess that player, and in reality, it will be Caleb. And everyone will go, oh, wait, who's Caleb? Oh, he's the the merge boot on 45. That's what his legacy is going to boil down to, is that shot in the dark, one out of six chance. Which probably oversimplifies his game. I think he had a phenomenal uh, game in the pre-merge, especially constantly being in the middle of that Lulu tribe. And dealing with an awful tribe. Yeah, I also wonder if Caleb has the same outcome if he's not on a tribe that's absolutely decimated in the early game. Um, yeah. That's the real question for me. Like, if Caleb returns and he makes it to the merge with a somewhat competent tribe, is he able to manage his threat level? Because um, yeah. I think that's difficult to do when there's already these two solidified groups and you're a big right. threat going into the merge. It's easy for the two of them to collaborate and vote you out. So... Yeah. I'd want to see Caleb play again just to get a better read on him. But like I mentioned last week, I think when it's all said and done, Caleb will probably be around maybe number five or six on my player rankings. I'll have a difficult time putting him in the top three. I just don't know if I'll be able to justify That's it. That's fair. I mean, he's going out at the merge. I, I don't think you, I wouldn't call him, I wouldn't put him higher than that. And I like him. I think um, of the players we've seen go, he's my. I would like to see him come back the most. I hope he does not become a trivia question. I hope you are wrong. I hope so too. I think it's more likely though that it becomes the answer to a trivia question, especially since Survivor is perpetually pushing back their returning player season. They have casting announcements on their website now for 47 and 48. So 47 wow. and 48 are going to be new player seasons. I don't think we're going to get we're going to get a returning player season until like Survivor 50. 50. Oh man. Pressure will be on for 50. I bet they'll do like only new era players or something like that from 41 onwards. So it is wild that by the spring there will be more seasons of Survivor than presidents of the United States. Oh. <laughs> you ready to go to winners and losers? Yeah, let's do it. Where, where do you want to start? Let's, I think we did losers last week. Let's do winners. Okay. Uh, you want to go or you want me to go? I'll go. My winner's Austin. Oh, okay. Wait, so why Austin? I, I think Reba's in a strong position. They're more united. They've got Emily giving them numbers, right? Uh, even with the loss of Sifu, I think Emily kind of evens them out and uh, makes this pretty much a 5-5 final 10. I feel comfortable making that claim. The four core members of Reba, Austin, Drew, Julie, D. Of those four, 
Austin, even with all of the stuff he has, which his own group knows about, right, kind of blends in. As weird as that is to say, when when you look at his inventory, right, which feels like a weird thing to say in Survivor, makes it feel like Minecraft. When you look at his, his little inventory bar there at the bottom, he's got a lot going on, and I think he's in a decent spot here. So he's my winner. He also deserves credit for not receiving a vote in that tribal council. You would think yeah. if players wanted to weaken D and knock out a Reba member, they'd be more likely to vote against Austin and try to force Julie's hand, but they flipped it. Yeah, their entire philosophy of this episode was based on Austin's weakness, thinking that he would flip on that group, which I don't think he would, looking back at it now. But credit to him for yeah. not being the target there. My winner is Kelly. I think she is the sole reason why those Bellow members stick together uh, to vote out Sifu. Had Kelly not been there and you swap her with a different Bellow player, I think there's a realistic chance that Kendra flips and votes out Bruce. So I felt like this the entire season, but Kelly is the person connecting this entire tribe. If Kelly goes, the rest of Bellow will tumble with her. So she's doing her best right now to keep that group intact. I don't know how much longer she'll be able to do it, but I've been impressed with her game so far this season. I think she's a really high quality player. Better than Caleb, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. Going on to losers, I can start with this one since you Take went first it. for winners. I have Katura. Do you have the same one? No, I have Jake. But Oh, okay. So Jake is my dishonorable, but I'll give you the chance to hit on Jake. I don't like that Katura broke her connection with the Bellow members and her options moving forward are abysmal. She can either be on the bottom of Reba or continue to work with Bellow where no one really trusts her at this point. So maybe Katura wins if she makes it to the end, but I highly doubt that Katura will have a path to that point. I gave it to Jake because I think what it's going to come down to is Bruce. Jake is the loser by being associated with Bruce. So so hear me out. Hear me out. I think that the Bello dynamic, that five, I think you're absolutely right. It radiates around Kelly. But it also radiates around can they mitigate, can Kelly mitigate this utter frustration with Bruce? Kendra's anti-Bruce. Katura's anti-Bruce. Kelly's not happy with Bruce. If Bello breaks up, Bruce might be an easy target. Or to disarm Bruce, Jake is his second. I gave him the dishonorable for all those reasons and the fact that he tried to convince Katura to risk her entire game with a one out of three shot immediately after breaking his trust with her by telling her about Bruce's idol. So who's your honorable then? Uh, my honorable mention is Kawhi Leonard. What? <laughs> so... So similar to how uh, how Caleb might be a, and I actually wrote this down before you said the thing about Caleb being a trivia answer. Sometimes I wonder, and I think this might be a fair prediction, Kawhi Leonard might go down as a trivia question. Who would hit one of the greatest buzzer beaters of all time and one of bullshit finals? What? Kawhi Leonard. That's kind of diminishing all of Kawhi's accomplishments. I don't know. He's a two-time NBA Finals MVP. I think his legacy is a bit more cemented than Caleb's. Yeah. Was he really? Yeah. He locks down LeBron defensively in, I think it's the 2014 Finals. I would need to go back oh, and check. Oh, 2014. Oh, man. And by just 
playing defense against LeBron, you get the finals MVP. That gives you a sense of how good LeBron is, where Andre Iguodala and Kawhi Leonard both win finals MVP for simply playing defense. For defense, yeah. Uh, Okay, so maybe that was a little bit unfair, but you know what? I was trying to make that in the moment. I gave it to Kawhi Leonard because shout out to people from Canada who tried to do something great on a national stage, and sometimes it succeeds, sometimes it fails, but... I think if Caleb had played a little bit more like Kawhi, a little bit less emotive, a little more robotic, he'd still be on this cast. Yeah. And we predicted this. When Caleb played the shot in the dark last week, we said he wouldn't be around by Thanksgiving. We should have said next week he's going home. That would have been a little bit more accurate. Well, and and you know what? I think the prediction of Caleb's going in the next two votes were right there. And production's probably pretty mad now because their precious shot in the dark hit and it all went to waste at the end of the day. Maybe this will be the final straw for them. They'll realize that even if the shot in the dark works, it magnifies someone's target and leads to them getting voted out anyway. Yeah, which I think is the only outcome there. I don't think shot in the dark ever helps you. I will say I'm excited to see Caleb on the jury. I think Caleb will have some fire outfits. Yes. Oh, 100% some fire outfits. You know his question at the end is going to be so kind and yet also really insightful. Like, I I think he'll be a great mayor of Ponderosa. Arguably the best mayor of Ponderosa. Maybe at some point I'll make our mayor of Ponderosa power rankings of the, of the four. That's how you know the TikTok mill is really running dry. <laughs> but yeah, that's everything I have. Anything else that you want to hit on? Uh, the auction is next week, and so I'll be excited to pick your brain about the history of the auction because I've only seen it one time. Yes, the auction went away in season 30, and it's been gone for 14 seasons, so it's making its return. There's a reason why it left. I can explain that next week, Yeah, but hopefully they modify it uh, to make it a more successful twist in the new era. But Awesome. Thanks for listening, and catch us next week where... Ideally, no shots in the dark are played, no twists or gimmicks are in the game, and we get a normal vote, our first merge vote of the season. Our first true merge vote for Clyde.